Welcome to Trauma-Informed Parenting, where you can find information about adoption, foster care, parenting a child with a capital letter syndrome, such as ADD, ADHD, FASD, SPD, on the spectrum, etc., and trauma-informed parenting, all in one place. I'm Kathleen Guire, your host, mother of seven, four through adoption, former National Parent of the Year, author, teacher, and speaker, but more important than any of those things, I'm a parent just like you. I know what it's like to raise kiddos with trauma histories and capital letter syndromes. I used to feel as if I were the only one struggling, and because I felt that way, I isolated myself. I don't want you to feel alone in your parenting journey. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for Trauma-Informed Parenting, a Coffee Break Podcast. Hi, Kathleen Guire here. Welcome to this episode of Trauma-Informed Parenting. Today, I have a returning guest, Amber Stewart, and she is going to talk to us about polyvagal theory, and she also has made this little printable. So if you're part of our email group, you will get this printable of the polyvagal letter. Now, I will let you get started, Amber. People have met you, but go ahead and reintroduce yourself briefly. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's so much fun to be back today. Um, yeah, my name's Amber Stewart. Uh, we, I am a biological foster and adoptive mom, and I have a son on the autism spectrum, and um, I have a passion for walking with moms through fostering and early intervention and nutrition, and um, I do have my certification in functional nutrition, which we talked about on the other podcast, but but today I'm really so, so excited about uh, raising awareness of the polyvagal theory. And again, I'm not an expert in this. I don't consider that. But I am uh, a, a true avid seeker of knowledge in the polyvagal theory because I've seen it help me and my own uh, emotional regulation. And of course, we can't help our children until we can regulate ourselves. And so it's going to be a little bit sciencey at first, Kathleen, but we'll yeah. get into the uh, the more life application part as we move through it. But, um, again, I'm not the expert. There are several resources I'm going to be talking from today. And one of those is, um, the polyvagal theory and the developing child, which is a fantastic resource for anyone. And they just talk about this theory and, and when we're talking about children and things and Stephen Porges, who also actually coined the phrase polyvagal theory um he has a fantastic book as well about um, attachment and emotional regulation and social engagement so look for those resources because those are kind of the things that i'm pulling from but before we can talk about the polyvagal theory i think we need to talk about the vagus nerve Hmm. so like i mentioned we'll get into a little bit of um it's kind of it's kind of getting out there more so now i think Mm -hmm. and when we talk about the vagus nerve, um, it is very, it's getting to be more well known in the world of nutrition. That's kind of how I was, uh, drew a passion for it through my coursework with that. I had heard of it before, but not as in depth. But just to give a background of the vagus nerve, it is this, uh, it's part of the central nervous system. And then, um, of course, inside the central nervous system, we have the peripheral nervous system. 
And um, then if you break it down further, we have the autonomic nervous system, which encompasses the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. Mm. So today we're going to be talking more about the um, autonomic section of it, because that is where our vagus nerve runs through and it is actually part of the 10th cranial nerve and it extends on both sides of the neck um, off of the brain stem, the medulla oblongata, and it runs on both sides of the neck and it actually communicates to the heart, the lungs, the gut, and it ends up um, from the brain stem all the way down to the top of the stomach and it branches out around the neck of the stomach and into the torso. And so why are all those things important? Because this vagus nerve has uh, a lot of responsibilities. Mm, it's this yeah. nerve that, um, because we're talking about the autonomic nervous system, what that means is it does things in our bodies that we don't really have any control over. For example, like um, our heart rate, our respiratory rate, our reflexes, like we cough, we sneeze, we swallow. These are um, all part of the autonomic nervous system. And that vagus nerve is like a communication highway that speaks all these things. And so a good way to think about the vagus nerve, if you, if you think, well, you know, have I ever sensed that? Well, if you've ever cleaned out your ears with a Q-tip and then you started coughing, that was the vagus nerve. You stimulated the vagus nerve. Isn't that interesting? I remember yeah. cleaning out my ears as a kid and, and coughing when I would, and I had no idea that that was that, that communication highway kind of being tickled and, and woken up. That's really interesting. And, you know, you just made me think of something. Because I'm very nerdy, I was on Etsy <laughs> yesterday, and I was looking at printables that demonstrate or show the vagus nerve. So I will go find those and link those in the show notes. So if people want to know exactly what this looks like, and maybe they yeah, want yeah, their science own nerds printable. Yeah, the can look too, right? <laughs> right, yeah. That's great. Well, well, we'll just keep going. So a lot of people have heard the term of rest and digest, and that also refers to part of this nervous system called the parasympathetic nervous, nervous system. And um, the cool thing about the vagus nerve is that it also senses um, inflammation in the body. You know, they're mm. doing a lot more vagus nerve stimulation with um, diseases like rheumatoid arthritis and diabetes and epilepsy. So it's if you have not heard about it or read about it and you have one of these conditions, look into it. I think the vagus nerve is just uh, an amazing nerve that we have. But the good news is we can also do some other cool things with the vagus nerve because it is a part of our um, nervous system that helps regulate emotional uh, regulation. And we're going to talk, we're going to move into the polyvagal theory in that uh, Stephen Porges believed that it was a huge way that we could actually take part in our controlling of the emotional system. Mm. And, you know, maybe for somebody out there that has not a lot of trauma or has um, a pretty calm nervous system, that might not seem like that big of a deal. But when you're talking about people um, like vets from war, they deal with a lot of very um, sensitive um, trauma. Like, mm -hmm. for example, they might hear fireworks, which, of course, is just a fun Fourth of July event. But for a vet, 
they might get stimulated in the area, their amygdala is part of the brain, part of that nervous system. The amygdala could get very sensitive and that vagus nerve gets triggered and their heart starts beating. They start sweating because the body is all connected, right? We are all connected in there. And so the um, outside sensory world can trigger things inside of our body, which make us feel unsafe. And I love your podcast, the one that you talk about having felt safety that just really Mm -hmm. struck with me because my adopted son, we've had him since he was three months old, but he still has Because of his infant trauma of having multiple fractures as an infant, he still has this very sensitive, high um, alertness assessment of of, um, danger. Even Mm -hmm. when he's safe, he he will feel unsafe. And so it could be a noise. It could be um, anything. And so what Stephen Porges has come up with is ways that we can help train, retrain, our nervous system based on the polyvagal theory. So I'm really excited. And another book I'm going to go after is Deb Dana. She is a fantastic author as well on the polyvagal theory. She likes to give a visual of the uh, polyvagal theory in regards to the polyvagal ladder. So that's what the, um, the graphic that will be in the show notes that I would love for everybody to, to look at and print off because it really helps us understand that sympathetic and uh, parasympathetic nervous system if you look at it in the ways of a ladder. And so if you can Mm. picture the ladder, at the top of the ladder, we're going to have the ventral vagal area. And so this is the area in our, our emotional regulation that Uh, brings connection and we're safe and we want to engage with others and we can be playful and curious and calm and content. We feel valued. We feel respected. We feel seen and heard. Of course, this is the area that we all want to stay in all the time, right? We love it when we have these ventral vagal moments and um, it's important as parents um, when you're wanting to help your child regulate or help yourself regulate during times of non-conflict where you are in a good place of regulation, as a practice for the polyvagal theory, try to picture times in your life when you felt connected. For me, that is all of my kids around the table having dinner. That's a huge safe moment for me that I feel safe and and open and curious and calm and content. Maybe it's walking on the beach with your family or your spouse or your kids Um, Maybe it's reading a book in your favorite area. So, again, having that top of the ladder in your mind, because I'm a visual learner, Mm. and so this is why I think this visual uh, polyvagal ladder is so helpful for so many. Um, Take moments to figure out what are your ventral vagal memories? What are those? And store those at the top of that ladder. So as we move down the ladder, the middle of the ladder is going to be our sympathetic nervous system. This is that area of fight or flight or freeze. We might feel unappreciated or unlovable or anxious or defensive. We may have negative thoughts. We may have a bad attitude about something or a negative attitude. And again, you know, we need our sympathetic nervous system. This is not necessarily a negative thing because obviously if if 
if we are driving a car and we see somebody run the red light and we, you know, we freeze, we pounce mm-hmm. on the brakes really quick. Like we, we, we move our bodies in to respond to something dangerous. Or if our kid is in danger, we might, we might yell stop or grab them up. We need our sympathetic nervous system. But the problem is sometimes when we've been from a lot of trauma or when we've experienced a PTSD, like it could be a car wreck or a military vet or any kind of very hard situation, we can get stuck mm-hmm. or we can hang out in the sympathetic nervous system right. too often. And I was recently at a retreat uh, back last year in October, and we were talking about this ladder. And they told us, we had the ladder kind of picturing it in the floor across the room. And they said, move to where you think you mostly stay. And 100% of the people in the room moved to the sympathetic. Wow. I know, it kind of shows. But it made me feel not alone. I felt like, okay, you know, um, I'm going to add one here. So fight, we get that. We, we get, we all know what fight means. Like someone says something and you might get really defensive or flight. You want to check out, you want to leave the room, uh, or just completely get out of the situation. Freeze might be that shutting down, withdrawing, checking out in a sense of I'm just, okay, I'm not going to say anything. Or, um, I recently was introduced to another part of the sympathetic nervous system uh, symptom, and that was fawn. Have you ever heard of that one before, no, Kathleen? I, well, I have recently. I've heard of it like over the past six months, so I was really excited to see it on your ladder because I'm like, I really want to hear this one. I don't... Yeah, we don't it, hear about fawn as yeah. much. We hear the fight, flight, or freeze, but right. fawn is another response in the sympathetic area of the ladder was when it's people-pleasing is the way mm. that I have understood it. And so basically, you know, it's kind of the person that's going to be like, there's an issue, there's a crisis, there's there's something going on, and there's somebody that's responding with, with fawning, what they're going to be doing, what that looks like is they are going to be going, okay, how can I make this better? What can I do? What can oh I do to gosh. please this person? It's like <laughs> a extreme people-pleasing in that moment. And, right. you know, we've probably all done this, whether it's a boss or a friend or a spouse, or even a child, we can even, you know, get in our sympathetic and just start trying to, I think of it too, almost as a, uh, a peacemaker, but it's not necessarily true peace. It's more mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm trying to keep the peace because I hate conflict. We see a lot of people right. fawn that avoid conflict, you know. Well, and I think that this is very common. Like this is definitely part of my personality for, through nurture and nature. Uh-huh. Sure. Is when you are in an abusive situation as a child, then you're definitely going to move to fawn because yeah. you're trying mm-hmm. to keep everything around you copacetic. You want to make everybody happy. You don't know when the abuser is going to get upset. So mm-hmm. I, I'm really glad you're talking about this one because this is a really important one that people don't talk about very much. Like I said, I've only heard of it like in the past six months. Well, and I think what it does when we talk about it, it raises awareness because as I've mentioned, just like I want people to take time to look at their ventral vagal areas of memories of connection, we also need to pause in our time of reflection on ourselves and think about how do I respond? Hmm. Do I fight? Do I flight? Do I freeze? Or do I people please? Do I phone? Do I mm-hmm. immediately start getting busy and trying to make everything right? Because again, 
that not may not necessarily be a bad thing because again we've mentioned that the sympathetic nervous system does what we need to do but is that a pattern that is not helpful or relational does that not because the whole idea is that we want to move up the ladder to connection so if we're using fawning to people please but it's not really getting us towards a true connection a true area of safety then it's just a response you know of of a pattern and okay so as we go towards the bottom of the ladder this is the area called the dorsal vagal nerve or the dorsal vagal section of the ladder of the polytheory, we can actually move into shutdown or being immobilized. We check out, we collapse. Um, It could be extreme depression. It could also look like unhealthy patterns. It could look like um, rejection or feeling rejected, uh, negative thought patterns. And um, again, dorsal vagal isn't always a negative thing. When we read these things, they look very negative, but... There are situations in our life where our body, our nervous system does need to go into dorsal vagal. For example, if you were in a really bad car wreck and your body needed to rest, your body might shut down just to cause your body, your nervous system to to rest and let the body just be in the the shutdown state that it needs to relax and stay in, you know, that's Mm -hmm. a, that's a place where the body needs to recover. Maybe even after having a baby, not that you want to be shut down and checked out, but your body also needs to, um, just rest and take time to go up the ladder to connect with your baby, but it also needs to have some time to rest. So our bodies do need, there are times when our body needs a dorsal vagal, um, and that okay. could be, um, but the, but the way that we're talking about it today is more, um, we don't want to stay at the bottom of that ladder. Our okay. goal is to stay up at the, the ventral vagal section of, of the central nervous system. I mean, of the, the, the nervous system. So I guess what I'm trying to move into is Deb Dana talks about this in her book is how do we, how do we consider ourselves moving up the ladder. Because again, you see the arrows on the side of that infographic we're both looking at. Um, Mm -hmm. We want to stay up here in the ventral vagal. That's where the good place is for us to have relationship because relationships affect every area of our life, right? So um, what we're going to talk about next is how do we move into the top and what can we do to keep from going down the ladder? What can we do to keep going up the ladder? And so I guess the first question we would need to ask ourselves is, like I mentioned, where do you find yourself on the ladder the majority of the time? Mm. You know, kind of a self-reflect and figure out where do I stay? When when do I feel most connected? When do I feel that I'm mostly in fight or flight? And when do I feel like I'm shutting down and I feel unrespected? Um, you can actually, you know, take time to make sections on a worksheet, just that might be another thing I could type up, but um, to make different sections of um, that and write out, when do I feel mostly in this section? When do I feel that I'm in sympathetic? When do I feel like I'm in dorsal? And uh, obviously raising awareness of that, those feelings, um, where I fall on the ladder is step one. And then the next question, like I mentioned, is how do we move up the ladder? And so, for example, I will um, kind of be transparent here. When I'm in my sympathetic area um, with my son on the spectrum, 
I can get, um, you know, frustrated. Mm-hmm. I can start having a lot of negative thoughts. For example, if he's having a huge meltdown over just brushing his teeth is something we've been battling because he has braces now mm. and he's on the autism spectrum. He has sensory issues. So brushing his teeth is a hard thing, but we know if he doesn't brush his teeth, obviously that's not something I can, you know, they say, pick your battles. Well, that's a battle I've got to pick. Because, <laughs> right. Been there, done you know, that. <laughs> teeth right out in the next two years. So it's, it's been very challenging with that. And I have, this is, you know, while I've been studying the, the latter, I have felt myself in that, all of those phases really of sympathetic fight, flight, freeze, or fall. I feel like I've done all those things trying to navigate this through him. But what I've recognized is I have tended to want to go down into the dorsal vagal because picture me on the middle of the rung there and the sympathetic um, we're starting to brush his teeth like we do twice a day, and he immediately starts throwing a fit. Mm-hmm. Well, I instead of going up the ladder towards connection, which I need to do by connecting with him and, and saying things that might encourage him, I start to feel that that fight and flight, which I want to, I'm starting to have these negative thoughts of saying, well, I guess this is what he's always going to do. He's always going to say this. We're going to have a fight about this every day. And, and I start going down that ladder, right. down into the dorsal to where I feel unappreciated. It's an unhealthy pattern. I'm feeling angry at him. And honestly, I just want to just walk out of the room and say, forget it. Just let your teeth rot out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Been there, done yeah. that too. Yeah. And it's, it's like within table. five minutes, you're, you're from the top of the ladder to the bottom of yeah. the ladder. <laughs> Just over yeah, and teeth. the bad thing is, is the second that I know we're getting close to brushing teeth, whether it's in the morning or at night, I automatically feel myself in that sympathetic range of the ladder. And so through me writing this curriculum and thinking about my own patterns, I've really been trying to think, okay, what can I do to just move one rung up the ladder? You know, mm. it may not, I may not jump all the way to the ventral vagal area. But can I at least keep from going down the ladder? And so some of those things have been looking like, you know, kind of being playful with him. Like, you know, oh, I can't wait to see all the food come out of your mouth. Because a lot of times when he's brushing his teeth with braces, he laughs because he's like, look at all this food I'm spitting out, you know, which is, of course, gross, but he's a boy. And so, (laughs) you know, getting playful with him. Oh, I can't wait to see the Brussels sprouts come out of your mouth into the sink tonight. You know, just trying to engage with him and not letting it be such a fight with him. And so... That would be kind of my next thing is just wherever you're at on the ladder, the idea is to always try to move up one rung at a time because at least you're not going down towards dorsal. At least you're either staying in the sympathetic, but the goal to even just move up one rung of the ladder towards ventral vagal. Because what that does is I have built connection with Jacob and hopefully the more rungs that I move up each time we're brushing teeth, eventually he will feel more safe because the bottom line is maybe I have not made him feel safe brushing his teeth because I'm getting frustrated and mm. then I'm raising my voice. Why are we doing this every time? You know, you've got to brush your teeth. We're having the same argument, which then, of course, puts him into the sympathetic place. Right. And I think I've even seen him move into the dorsal vagal while brushing teeth because he just he just throws his toothbrush down and says, no, I'm not doing it. So he's shutting down. So this is just one example, obviously, of brushing teeth and moving up and down this ladder. But for me, it has been such a great visual of how can I 
what step can I take to move me closer up the ladder to the ventral section of um, right? And I think that's that's a very very practical example. Because if you are listening and you're like, well, this is a lot of science, but how do I apply it? Well, it's something as simple. And I'm telling you, this is like you were telling my story. It's like you've lived my life. The teeth brushing, (laughs) the braces, the everything. It's like it's, it's that simple how quickly we can get into that dorsal vagal and stay there over something as simple as brushing your teeth or whatever else triggers you. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's a great example. Well, and that is, you know, I would just say as we kind of, I know we need to wrap things up. Um, thanks for letting me talk so much. And I just had a lot of, lot of information there. And I know that, um, I know that uh, just kind of relating it to fostering children and, um, or even all the teachers out there, because you are obviously teaching a lot of kids Um, from trauma that may be stuck in that sympathetic zone. I think that that is very huge to recognize is that every relationship, every chat we have, every coach, every teacher, every pediatrician, every mom, this is what all of the polyvagal theory is about. It is about connection. How we respond matters. How can we pull someone up the ladder are you pushing them down the ladder? That's the other thing. How many teachers out there are really struggling to get kids out of that fight or flight up the ladder? Mm. How many teachers are frustrated and pushing their kids down the ladder like I was, my son, with brushing teeth? So that's what I'm trying to get at is that as we wrap up this, try to think about, get your, print off that infographic that that I made and try to think about yourself on the ladder. How can you bring your children from trauma up the ladder and even how can you move yourself up the ladder? So um, good luck with all of that. Keep reading out there. There's lots and lots of articles and things on the polyvagal theory. I am grateful to Stephen Porges and Deb Dana and um, the uh, other authors are the Thompson and oh goodness, I'm drawing a blank here. Thompson and Sanders wrote The Polyvagal Theory and the Developing Child. And that is a fabulous book if you work with children or if you are a foster or adoptive mom. Because, again, what matters is relationship and safety. And we will build those connections as we are hanging out in the ventral area the most. And, you know, as moms, as, as coaches and teachers and things, we can we can keep ourselves up there by our thoughts, Mm -hmm. and we can even help others come up the ladder so that we can connect, right? (laughs) Right, exactly. And so to finish up, since, you know, maybe people are listening and they're like, you know, this is the first time I ever heard of anything like this. And they're listening to the description of the ladder and they're like, wait, I'm at the bottom. I'm on the dorsal vagal and I pretty much live there. Mm -hmm. Or I live in the middle at the sympathetic what is one thing, just one thing they could do differently today to begin to change that for themselves? And then, of course, it trickles down to their children. Well, kind of like what I mentioned at the beginning, the very first step, if we want to even go up one rung all the way down, if you're in the dorsal, if we want to go all the way up, the idea, the goal, it should be just to take one step up if you can. Because when you're in dorsal, you know, I think that that could be a place that you feel like is that you're never going to leave that. That could be a very dark, deep depression. And in Mm -hmm. those cases, definitely seek help. You may need counseling. You may need it it may be more than just 
oh, I'm going to think happy thoughts. That's not what I'm talking about here. If you are in dorsal vagal, there's very big truth that you could need medication. You could need counseling. And so I want to say that too, because there's obviously a place that that happens. But to the person, the the average mom out there with, with foster care kids or adoptive kids from trauma or the teacher out there, what I would say is, if you're in dorsal and um, you are, you can feel that you can move out of that, or if you're in sympathetic, the first step is definitely um, raising awareness to what are your ventral vagal moments and picture those. And I'm not mm. saying like I'm saying, oh, happy thoughts, let's go. It's more than that. It is actually getting your body into that place. And, and you'll hear a lot more if you dive into it about vagal tone. And I didn't get into a lot of that today, but vagal tone, there are ways to help relax some of that. And that is deep breathing. Mm -hmm. That is massaging behind your ear. Like I mentioned, when you clean out with the Q-tip and you cough, um, some people do ice plunges, believe it or not. They Mm -hmm. stick their face in ice or they put ice packs on their chest. There's some different ways that you can kind of help yourself get out of some of that dorsal and re re almost reset the vagal nerve. But on a day-to-day basis, I think it does start with awareness. Hey, wow, I didn't even know that I had some ventral vagal moments. What does that mean? And really sitting down and reflecting on picturing those moments, that walk on the beach, that curled up with your favorite book, your patio with on the patio with your husband with coffee, whatever your ventral vagal moments, because there are moments where we need to picture those. We need to get our body and take those deep breaths back into a place where we can connect with somebody else, especially when we're dealing with kids, you know. Right, exactly, especially when we're dealing with kids, and it's a constant. So thank you so much for being on the podcast again, Amber, and thank you for creating this polyvagal ladder, a little PDF to help us. And I took lots of notes, guys, so I hope you did. (laughs) Yeah, well, you're welcome. It was so much fun, and it's really, um, you know, kind of ignited another passion in me to keep to keep learning and to keep practicing and to keep growing too in my own uh, polyvagal ladder skills. So thank you so much. Same here. I'm going to get some of those books. So thanks for joining us today, guys. And uh, I will see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Trauma-Informed Parenting. Make sure you subscribe on traumainformedparenting.com to receive a free resource and receive a newsletter plus updates when books or new courses are released. Also, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, or Spotify and leave a review so other listeners can find trauma-informed parenting and know the value of the show. You're welcome to send me an email to contact at traumainformedparenting.com.